0: Good morning, Mrs. Strawberry, and good morning, Mrs. Quantum. I am your host, Shane Adamczak. My guest this episode is sci-fi aficionado, soon-to-be doctor, and fellow podcaster, Mr. Stephen Platt, and we're going to be trying to make the world a better place, one word at a time. Our word this week is quantum, and this podcast goes for 25 minutes. But first, as always, it is time to get into the three-point check and some home truths.
1: Stephen, welcome to the show. I need to know, how is your head, your heart, and your tummy? Well, hello Shane and hello listener. Um uh, my head is is pretty good. In mm-hmm. fact, spoiler alert, all three of my things are pretty good. Um my That's th- great. Yeah, my head. Um it's it's nice and relaxed. I had a nice sleep in this morning, uh, which is very unusual for for me. Um but i I so I feel very relaxed Uh, i have a lot of things going on at the moment i as you say i'm finishing a phd i'm also getting married in three and a half weeks time humble brag humble brag Uh, but because (laughs) of all that um yeah my head is doing a lot of planning at the moment Um, yeah but but it's it's pretty happy when it's like that my heart is is good getting married will will do that um but also um it's despite the difficulties of the year of 2020. Mm. Uh, I think it's actually been, for me personally, a very sort of good year for a lot of my relationships with people that I care about, so my heart is feeling fantastic. And my tummy had butter chicken last night, so my tummy is... Just kicking goals in all directions. Yeah, it's just purring away. Are
0: you more stressed out about finishing the PhD or the wedding? Um,
1: mm, It changes day (laughs) day to day. sure. Um, I would say that today I'm more stressed out about the wedding, and I think... The reason I'm more stressed out about the wedding is because it is now the sooner time goal. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, sure. so it's three and a half weeks, whereas the PhD is realistically going to be about a month to two months before it's submitted. Right. So, right now, yeah, the wedding is sort of looming in the best possible sense of the word. <laughs> it's probably
0: better that that's your main priority right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah a little bit. Great. Um, so, as. Part of being my guest, Uh you get to ask me a truth question. Anything you want can be as serious or as silly as you like, and I'll give you as honest an answer as I possibly can. So, it's your time to shine.
1: Okay, well, I've been thinking about this. What do I really want to know about shame? And uh, thinking about um, things like, like love with the heart question, what I would like to know is, when was the last time that you felt truly loved? like what was the oh. last instance of uh it, it doesn't have to be romantic love yeah. or anything like that just a feeling of i feel really loved right now
0: ah oh, that's such a great question and a tough question as well mm. um i mean i feel like like my my family and i are all very close so I, like i feel like a constant love from them whenever we're together but but like in terms of like maybe someone new like there's been friends that i've made sort of outside of my regular circles in the last couple of years, mm. which has been kind of a nice thing, because it, it it can feel strange and a bit difficult, like, as a quote-unquote adult, to make new friends sometimes. Especially when you work in theatre, and most of the people you know are sort of within that industry. So I, w- I would say, like, that I've made some very close, closer-than-expected friends over the last two years. Mm. And through those people, I've felt, like, new
1: new love, if that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. Yeah. I totally get that. It, it is strange i think because of the nature of working in um creative industries like theatre yeah. um and live performance you are sort of constantly making new connections and quite often those connections become friendships yeah but sometimes at least i find um i i really like being friends with people i i don't know if i've got like a deep need to please people or something but yeah. but i find it very easy to go oh this person is my friend now because we have these sort of shared connections um but i i do wonder if that is more sort of an indicator of the type of work we do like if i worked in a bank yeah would would i be like oh i'm friends with all these customers now i don't know that it would work. Like <laughs> yeah that.
0: that's a very good point mm. um i know like i've taken up like a few new hobbies as well this year and like even through that the interest that people have shown in you know some of the ways that i'm sort of been forced to express myself creatively. Mm. Um, I felt a lot of love through that as well, which has been really nice. Um, How about yourself? Are you feeling a lot of the love this year? Yeah. thrust to some very strange circumstances.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think um, it was interesting because I I was sort of in some interesting circumstances um, in terms of the changing nature of, like, my family structure even before COVID. Sure. Um, My... Parents both have worked for a very long time in health, yeah, and they both had quite big career changes in the last uh, 18 months. And as that was happening, COVID was happening as well, yeah. Um, right. So, my mum still works in health, she works very high up in sort of like um, palliative care administration, uh, but she got a job over in Victoria, so she moved. Earlier this year, oh wow, to Victoria, yeah. Um, then of course things got very bad in Victoria with COVID, yeah. And fortunately, she has been able to move back here, but still do the job remotely in Victoria. Oh, that's very lucky. Um, but yeah, so I, I suppose the the sort of changing nature of those relationships, um, in terms of like my, I guess my family support structure, changed quite dramatically. Um, and I think it, one of the things it did is it made me appreciate more. Those structures that have changed, but also the structures that stayed the same. Um, so I think, yeah, the nature of of that um, change and how how love acts through uh, the change of circumstance it's it's just been on my mind, and that's why I was like, I want, yeah. to, I want to know where Shane's at. I want yeah, to...
0: totally reasonable. And I think I think this year especially has really made. I mean, I know for myself it has, and for a lot of other people, like made people really assess the important people in their lives, mm. um, and those people that you really do care about and you really do want, you know, close and to be in close connection with. Yeah. And it's caused a lot of people to, you know, reach out to maybe people they haven't talked to in a long while. Mm. Um, and I think that's great. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think is really great is you picked a word which is quantum. Yes. Which is a very sci-fi. Sci-fi slash sciencey word. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did you pick this amazing word which we definitely have not had yet?
1: Uh, well... I think quantum is one of my favourite words, um, and I think the, the reasons for it are a little bit manifold. So it is very science fiction-y, and yeah. my last sort of seven, eight years uh, working in academia have been based around science fiction academia, so the PhD that I'm finishing at the moment is in science fiction in theatre, uh, and specifically looking at how do we perform science fiction in live performance, what's worked in the past. Not a lot. They say it can't be done, Stephen. <laughs> well, it can't be done. Some people do say that. Yeah. And they're, they're not being uh, ironic like yourself. <laughs> um, and also, I believe that they're wrong. It can be done. Yeah. Um, but I think the questions are how, and more importantly, why um, should it be done in this way? So that's what I've been looking at, uh, certainly for the last four years in the, the PhD. Um, so quantum is a word that kind of gets used in science fiction a lot. It's in- my, my favourite kind of leap. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's and again, I think I think quantum leap is a great example because I think that when we talk about quantum in a science fiction sense, we actually mean the word magic. Yeah, um, and I think yeah. that's such a lovely way of sort of having magic in something that kind of issues magic at the same time. Like if yeah. you're watching your general science fiction program and they go, "How did you do this?" Oh, we can do magic. You go, "Ah, oh, that undermines dumb, the whole premise." If they go, "Oh, we did." We use quantum physics, or we use quantum mechanics. You go, hmm, yes. Mm. I think I think the, the Avengers End Game is a really great example of this, where the the time travel mechanic that they have um, in that film is essentially magic. Yeah. Um, but you couldn't have, and yet weirdly, I think in the Avengers you could have magic because it's established characters like. Doctor Strange. Yeah, of course. Can do magic. But then you see you see, Smart Hulk behind
0: the, you know, all the computers, and you're like, oh, yeah. he's doing science, so yeah. this must be legit.
1: Yeah, and they, they explain it, and they even try to explain it using like movie language of like, so it's not Back to the Future rules. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that quantum, I, I really like the use of quantum in that sense, even though, of course, you know, friends in the uh, scientific and mathematic communities will be like, no, it's to do with quantity, or very small things. Yeah. Um, it is, but I also really love from a from a storytelling and fiction sense that quantum is, is sort of like acceptable magic I guess and I think for science fiction storytelling I, I've, I've, I've formed an opinion uh, which is that um, hard science fiction though great, loses a lot of the joy that can come from science fiction from a need to be serious and I feel as though quantum is sort of the thing we've all kind of agreed on unconsciously, that if you say it's quantum, you can get away with stuff that doesn't actually make sense if you're trying to follow real-world science. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I'm going to I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Okay. I'm going to do the same thing. When I had Ben Steamroller on the show, who is a fellow toy collector, I asked him what his top five uh, toy lines were, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you for your top five uh, sci-fi series. Mm. It doesn't have
1: to be in any particular order. Um... For me, uh, Red Dwarf, hell yeah! Um, I, I Red Dwarf is f- massively important to me and my interest in science fiction, because I also like you know the comedy, the hahas. I I, I yeah. like that, and as a seven eight year old, when I first came across Red Dwarf, and it was. I think like season seven was being broadcast in the UK when I came across it as an eight-year-old, and I was like, "This is amazing! It's funny and it's in space." Um, yeah. And so Red Dwarf, absolutely for me. Um, the
0: thing is, I love uh, about Red Dwarf and and to some degree the Orville, which I really like, is that they are mm-hmm. essentially a comedy, but then the sci-fi concepts are so incredibly clever, mm-hmm. especially in Red Dwarf. We just like that is amazing. there's so, such yeah. clever, clever sci-fi concepts.
1: Yeah, I. I've really enjoyed seeing what they've done within the last five, ten years with the more recent series yeah. as well. Um, even even though there are the, you know, lots of debates about how good it is. And for me, I tend to find that most Red Dwarf seasons have two excellent episodes, two that are fine, and two that you just kind of don't watch that often. Yeah, And I feel like all of the recent seasons have matched that balance. So yeah. for me, it's it's going okay. Um, I would say the Hitchhiker series, again, for similar reasons, sure. um, was very... Informative to to young Stephen, you're talking um, like the OG BBC. I'm I'm talking the whole shebang. So everything I, I, okay. came, across, I came across the books first, mm-hmm. and then the I think I would have seen the movie with Martin Freeman. Oh yeah, uh, and then the radio series was one that I found. Yeah, as like an eighteen year old, I guess, and was like, oh, this is great as well. So Hitchhikers just in general. Um, mm, it's it's tricky now because now I'm like, oh, there's there's so many. That I really like, but are they going to make it? Um, so I'll allow two honourable mentions as well. Mm, okay. Well, <laughs> I'm coming. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to give Star Wars an honourable mention. Like, okay. Because it's not really science fiction. Mm. Um, uh, it, it, it is. It is fantasy in science fiction clothing. But yeah, fun. I'd agree with that. Yeah. It's like
0: a, it's, I, yeah, I define it as like a space adventure.
1: Yeah. Some people get very cross when you say that. Um, and, but there's laser swords. Yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah, okay, fine. Uh, like, I, I'm not one that's going to sit there and go, y- you're wrong for believing that. But me personally, I would not classify You can that all
0: way. stop writing your angry lesson. <laughs> he apologized. Yeah. He was very polite about it. Leave him alone. He's a good kid.
1: Thanks, guys. Um, so, and the other honorable mention I would give is Star Trek. Not because I don't think Star Trek is good or science fiction, just that for me personally, I didn't grow up with Star Trek. Yeah, I didn't grow up watching it really, and it's it, most of my knowledge comes from friends talking about it. Yeah. So, like, I know, you know, things like "Shut up, Wesley, get off the bridge," like that kind <laughs> of thing. I, I, I've never heard Picard say that. But, but we know all the memes. Yeah, I know, yeah. And, I, and I have watched some of the films and some of the episodes and enjoyed it. But I'm not a trackie. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen for me in in this life. But but it it needs mentioning because it's so important. Um, so in terms of other series, I would say I would say Space nineteen ninety nine. That is one that I've never seen. Mm. I recently rewatched it about two years ago. I I bought the um, the discs um, as part of my research because the great thing about doing a science fiction PhD is you can watch as many science fiction things as you want. And it counts as research. Hell yeah. yeah. And a tax write-off. Um, actually, kind of. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said, uh, snoopily. Some of it, yeah, you can. Um, so I would say, yeah, I would say Space 1999 was one that I first saw when I was very young and, again, was very informative. And for the same reason, I'm going to say Thunderbirds.
0: Hell yeah! Yeah. I was not expecting Thunderbirds, but I love it.
1: Yeah, Thunderbirds, I bloody loved it as a kid. Um, and even as an adult, I, I, I do go back and rewatch them sometimes and go, this is fun. And uh, for me, the fifth one, um, which I'm saving till last because I think it is the one that has had the biggest impact for me, is Doctor Who. Yeah. I think um, it's. It's got. It, I, I think it does what I think, for me, all good science fiction does, which is. It is so open to mm-hmm. what it can be. And you look at the fact that the show started in 1963, it's still being made this many years later. You can have actors as diverse as the 12 white guys that played him first <laughs> and now a white woman. But yeah. also increasingly, you know, we're seeing them play around with the ideas of. I think Doctor Who is almost like a good dipstick for, like, where we're at with science fiction, particularly British science fiction. Yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, you look at the 60s, and it's, oh, it's William Hartnell, it's Patrick Troughton, and they're sort of older men, and they're a bit bossy, and you can, oh, let's see what it's like in the 80s, and, oh, it's weird and colourful, and, like, the stories maybe aren't great, but there's some fun things happening. Like the Happiness Patrol. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, where the bad guy is made of candy. Yeah, you dip it into into the 2000s, and you look at, you know, obviously, David Tennant and Chris Eccleston running around, and and even today, you know, mm. you've got... Um, I think the most recent Chibnall-run series are so kind of intriguing because they are just, they're assuming so much of what the show was to create something new. And even though I personally am sitting there going, like, I have other Doctors and eras that I think I prefer Mm. to this one, it's not boring
0: yeah and it is yeah. it is a show that definitely tries to adapt to the to the times yeah. which is why i think it comes up against some people sometimes who are like i liked it better in the good old days yeah which is like the 60s yeah well
1: i mean but that's just it like and I, they,
0: and those episodes are are great but not for the same reasons that yeah. the modern ones are great
1: my two favorite doctors are patrick Troughton from like the, the late 60s and david tennant from the late noughties massively different shows massively different characters Entirely different structures, but they they sort of retain an inherent sort of sense of adventure and fun storytelling that kind of reflect those two eras. If you could have your dream cast uh-huh. for
0: the next Doctor, mm. another tough question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You really... What direction would you go in? Mm. And you have to you've got the task of trying to appease the old fans, mm. appeasing the masses, trying to draw in new audiences. There's absolutely no way you can get this exactly right. Yeah. But I just want to know what you would do.
1: That is an incredibly tough question. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I have more of a concept for a companion story that I'd like. Okay. So, whoever the next Doctor is, do whoever you want. Yeah. Make it Richard Armitage, I know he gets linked with it a lot, mm-hmm. you know, or Richard Iwadi. any of the Richards, whoever you Oh my you God, that would be amazing. I'm back <laughs> yeah. in that. I us right. say it's Okay, him. so let's say it's Richard Iwadi. Yeah. I would really like for the Doctor to find a companion um, who, because the companion is usually female, let's say it's, it's a young female person mm-hmm. from, from Britain, and they have one season of adventures where you go, oh wow, this was really fun, what a great companion, da-da-da-da-da, and when they get to the Christmas special... They resolve all the Christmas stuff and she goes, I'm going to take you to meet my family. And when they go to meet the family, the door opens and her parents are Mickey Smith and uh, Martha Jones. Yes. I would bloody love for like maybe 10 years, 20 years down the line for them to still be doing the show and for them to go. These are two people that have traveled with the doctor that we know have gotten together. Yeah. It's sort of the, the lore of the show. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great to get Noel Clarke and Freya Aguman back to play the parents of this companion and be like, "No, you don't know what you're going into. The doctor's mad, and also their face is different now. You know why? Why are they played by why are they played by Finn Wolfhart? What's going on, here? <laughs> Finn Wolfhart? No, 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 no." Ugh.
0: Yeah, um but that that's what I'd like. To I say. love that concept. I'm I'm sure people from the BBC are listening mm. amongst my tens of listeners, so yes. you can contact us Stephen at the details we'll reveal mm. at the end of the show. Mm. Um Are you looking forward to getting the title
1: of Doctor? yes. Um I I am, not just for the fact it's you- literally the only reason I would do a PhD. It's one of the main reasons I did it, I'll yeah. be honest. Um I really like the idea of being able to go. Oh, my name's Stephen. Oh, with a Ph. No, with a PhD. Uh, like that. That's a very. It's oh, pretty good. It's a very appealing. It's pretty joke. good. That's
0: something I'll never have.
1: I'm sorry, Shane. That's okay. Um, but the yeah, the, the doctor title, I think, is something that there is a part of it. There is there is a little bit of ego. It's not enough to keep you going through a whole PhD. I've discovered. Like if you were, sure. if you were just going in it just to get that title you would you would not last. I
0: know quite a few people that are like either have done a PhD or are currently in the process of doing a PhD or have quit a PhD. Yeah. And the amount of work that goes into
1: it, it just breaks my brain. It's it's pretty insane. Um, but but also, for for me, um, I I'm quite I'm quite looking forward to it. But it is part of it is is social I think because my my fiance soon to be wife is a doctor. Um, She actually, her graduation ceremony is tonight. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So she's, um, she's got the title. She's, she's Dr. Ellen Sears. Um, Congratulations. So yeah, I'm kind of like, I need to catch up. Otherwise (laughs) she's going to be bossing me around. She's a doctor. I have to listen. Um, But also, you know, a lot of my friends because of working in academia are people with qualifications like doctor or professor or things like that. Um, So a a little bit of it, Almost feels like keeping up with the Joneses to yeah. an extent. Um,
0: I feel like you definitely found a found a topic to cover that sort of really in your wheelhouse as well, yeah. well which uh, I'm sure helped keep it interesting.
1: Well, that, that was the main reason I got into it. I finished my uni undergraduate about 10 years ago as a film student, and the only thing I learned <clears throat> from four years of doing film studies was that I didn't want to work in film, really. And so I was a bit lost for like a year and a half, and I was working like medical admin jobs, just kind of like earning money and kind of going, I don't know what to do. And um, I was speaking to someone who is now a doctor, was not a doctor at the time, Mm -hmm. um, who basically said, have you considered doing postgraduate study? And I was like, what should I do for postgraduate study? And the idea of, well, I like theatre and I like science fiction. Why are those two things not something that come together very often? Um, And so that led to an honours study looking at the history of science fiction on stage and now a PhD study of looking at the potential future for the genre in uh, live performance um, and it's I think it's an area of live performance I mean obviously theatre and how we do live performance is going to change radically anyway because of the Covid outbreak mm-hmm. but I think the the possibility of um, of the theatre becoming more of a a home base for new science fiction stories um, and for new types of science fiction stories and writers I, I think it's got real um real possibilities there's a real chance, and I also think that for the practice of theater it 's important to attract mm. new audiences um as i suppose traditional audiences move away or die off mm. um, and it's it 's a constant question in entertainment about how you refresh the audience and I think for theater it's it 's unlikely that it will ever go away um but it's relevance to how we do entertainment is constantly in question, I think. Absolutely. And the idea of it becoming like a science fiction hotbed, I think, is one way that it could potentially... Uh, have, have a greater legitimacy going forward.
0: This year especially has been a real kick up the butt I think for a lot of um, mm. artists who rely on live performance whether yeah. that be in theatre or you know musicians, whatever it may be reassessing uh, the way they work and the way they're going to work in the future and I very much look forward to having you as part of Captain Spaceship mm. uh, in Fringe World
1: 2021. I am looking forward to it too. Uh, improvised science fiction is, is really great. There's not a lot of it. There's not a lot of science fiction plays in general the last 10 years has kind of been quite a good boom for science fiction shows but yes the uh captain spaceship which is cited in my phd hell yeah, yeah you in fact two of your shows are now academically cited great that and stasis that gives me some legitimacy it let's does. not talk about stasis though um no stasis was good it was a really good example of like one act one one single performer Science fiction. And, like, those shows are really important. There's a really great one I saw last year called One Woman Alien, which was cool. Um, a comedian, I think her name is Katie Schultz or Katie Sherl. Um, she's over in the UK. And she recreates the film Alien in one hour and she plays all the characters. That sounds and amazing. That, and that kind of black box theatre like that and like Stasis, um, which I... I I think it was a good show. I think very Look, I did I did as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I think those shows are as valid and arguably more important than say a big budget science fiction musical based on I don't know like 1984 or Brave New World. Like, yeah, like you know they, these are all valid forms of discussing science fiction.
0: Um, Stephen, I have to kind of cut you off there because we are almost out of time. We <clears> only <throat> have 25 minutes. Uh, just very quickly, uh, would you like to tell people um, where they can find you? Mm. Online, should they want to um, check out your stuff?
1: Yes, uh, including
0: including your amazing podcast, the Cinema Catch Up Club.
1: Yes, uh, Cinema Catch Up Club, where we watch films that you probably should have seen by now. Uh, that can be found uh, on all good podcasting platforms. Quite near. Um Uh, Good morning Mrs Stroud. We're birdies Yeah we're podcast birdies Podcast birdies So yeah if you search For the Cinema Catch-Up Club On iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify You can find it there And subscribe Uh, We have a Facebook page Which is where a lot of Our communication goes through For that podcast And if you want to find me And follow me uh, on Twitter I am at Splaticus S-P-L-A-T-T-I-C-U-S I mostly just retweet cute animal things so that my partner can see them, but I occasionally put up things there as well.
0: Um, And very quickly, in the very limited amount of time we have left, um, if you could sum up in one sentence, thinking all about
1: quantum and Mm. sci-fi, how can we try and make the world a better place? I think quantum looks at... uh, the, The idea of quantum is to look at things that are measurable, to look at things that are usually very small, but the idea being that we look at things that can be measured against one another. Um, And then in its science fictional sense, it's magic. It's essentially this idea of like limitless possibilities. And I think if we go with a sense of looking at the information of quantum, but retaining the fun of quantum from science fiction, I think a blending of the two is essentially essential to the human experience. And I think retaining that inner humanity, though not the answer, is integral to whatever answer we find going forward into the future.
0: Stephen, thanks so much for being here. Live long and prosper.
1: Thanks, Shane!
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Good Morning Mrs. Strawberry. If you'd like to help this podcast grow, you can do all those amazing things like subscribe, write a review, rate it, and of course, share it around the world. You can find the podcasts at anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. I'd like to say a massive thank you to Cosmo Bones for the brand new logo, and encourage you, dear listener, to get in contact if you would like to be part of the show and help make the world better, one word at a time.